6, 6 through 15, and then 20 through 23. Ah, we're going to make it today, y'all. All right, Proverbs 6, 6 through 10. Uh, Go to your aunt, you lazy bones. Consider its ways and be wise. Without having any chief or officer or ruler, it prepares its food in summer and gathers its sustenance in harvest. How long will you lie there, O lazy bones? When, when will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed warrior. A scoundrel and a villain goes around with crooked speech, winking the eyes, shuffling the feet, pointing the fingers, with perverted mind, devising evil, continually sowing discord. On such a one calamity will descend suddenly in a moment, damage beyond repair. My child, keep your father's commandment and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them upon your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. That's our reading for today. Uh, here in the sanctuary at Zhao, the cavernous space that feels um, so empty without all of you here with us, but we know you're here with us in spirit. And I have been in the wings uh, l- laughing and trying to stifle my laughter because it just seems like God doesn't want Zhao to ever get too comfy doing anything. <laughs> we have said from day one that we are a church. Uh, in progress, an experiment ongoing, and trying to understand what it means to be church in a new age, uh, and every week that gets reinvented for us. So thank you for bearing with us through technical difficulties. We're trying to um, use the the best resources we have available to us to create a sense of community and connection so that we can be together, so that we can be and do church together in the midst of all of this. Um, We are in the second week of a series called Wisdom, where we are going into the wisdom literature of the Bible and trying to understand what wisdom scripture has for our day-to-day lives. We started last week with the Psalms, talking about how ancient poetry contains wisdom, um, and we're going into the Proverbs this week. And cards on the table, Proverbs is a uh, complicated and problematic book for me personally. Um, I, I was like a, I was a philosophy student <laughs> for a while, especially in my late adolescence. And uh, I really like the big ideas. And Proverbs does a lot of work to distill the experience of life into these tiny little aphorisms that can necessarily never contain the full complexity of life as we know it. And my my stubborn, um, contentious, wants to know everything self always wants to say, but what about, but what about? 
But Proverbs invites us into the wisdom that has been passed on through generations and generations of the basics of life and how to live a good life, be a good person, know God, um, know the order of the universe, and be made whole. And so Proverbs has a lot of um, a lot of promise in it. It has a lot of uh, wisdom to offer us in our day-to-day lives, and it is necessarily uh, problematic and not enough and um, inspiring more questions than answers a lot of the time. The beginning of Proverbs and woven throughout Proverbs is the idea that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So fear of the Lord is kind of a weird phrase, and and it sounds really scary and awful now. Um, But fear in the biblical context is really more like awe, and awe is like the beginning of the word awesome. Uh, So fear of the Lord is like awe of the Lord, which is like pointing at God or God's creation or the works of God's hands and just being like, that is so awesome. Um, and, and just feeling the weight of things, feeling the power and immensity of God, of Yahweh, of, of the one who is and will be and, and has yet to become and is becoming, the I am, the God of the universe. So the beginning of wisdom, that is how to live a good life, how to be a good person, the beginning of all of that is looking at God and going, whoa. And I think that that's a really interesting place to begin. Um, And it's woven throughout the Proverbs and all of the wisdom literature. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 7 through 8 say, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, that is, woe Yahweh, and turn away from evil. It will be a healing for your flesh and a refreshment for your body. One of the promises baked into Proverbs is that if we have awe for God, if we have a sort of reverence for all of creation, if we live a moral life based on our, our adoration, our amazement at who God is and the, the majesty of all creation, that it's actually good for us. It's physically good for us. It heals our very flesh. It refreshes our body. And so, In this time when we're all kind of going, how do we live? How do we live well? How do we live under these new circumstances? This is actually why we're in the wisdom series, that we wanted to go back to that ancient wisdom that has stood the test of time in all different kinds of circumstances to say, how do we live well now? And Proverbs says, you better start with just a sense of wonder and majesty. You better start by looking to the divine and offering your trust and hope Proverbs wants us to live well. And Proverbs is one of three mainstreams in the wisdom literature. Psalms borrows from Proverbs um, in the wisdom psalms. Um, and Song of Songs, we'll talk about at the end of the series, is, is more poetry. But the three main heavy hitters that made it into the biblical canon, that is the official Bible you could pick up from a, from a store, um, the three main ones that offer three different perspectives on how to live a good life are Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. So Proverbs says that there are two ways of living. There's the good way and the bad way. There's a blessed way to live and a cursed way to live. Proverbs believes that there's a logic to the universe and that that logic itself is holy. So Proverbs is trying to figure out how you accommodate your life to the order of the world. You have to observe that order and participate in it. 
know that your actions impact things around you. And basically, if you do it right, if you are righteous, if you follow the divine order, you will be rewarded. And if you don't, if you are wicked, if you defy that, if you go against the order of the world, um, bad things will come to you. Now, before you get all twisted and bent out of shape like I do at that kind of premise in Proverbs, know that there are two other important voices in the conversation, Ecclesiastes and Job, and we are going to spend a week each on those. Real briefly, Ecclesiastes uh, is offers this kind of paradox, um, this more philosophical edge that prioritizes sort of the inscrutability and mystery of God that says, yeah, there's an order to the universe, but it's not about us. It's about God. And God's going to do what God's going to do. And who knows if anything we do impacts it because it feels really random from our end. And the only order that seems to be happening is God's will. So for us, we just need to accept the order of the universe will, will crash against us like waves in the ocean. And then Job comes into the conversation as well, again, in conversation largely with Proverbs, which is laying that groundwork. There is an order to the universe, and all we need to do is be good, be on our best behavior. Job comes in and says, hey, listen, if you've got an overly simplistic view of divine justice, you're in for some hard, hard truths. It's kind of a rebuttal to Proverbs. And if Proverbs says, here's how do you accommodate your life to the order of the universe, and Ecclesiastes says, well, we're not sure what the human behavior actually has to do with the order of the universe, Job says, well, what do you do when that order fails you, when the known order of the way things ought to be fails you? So we will get to Ecclesiastes and Job in our, um, in our overall project. So in Proverbs, we have um, what feels to me like the teachings of a wise adult simplified for a beginner. You have to learn the basics of moral character and then kind of go from there. And so for all my protestations of like, but what about what what about, there is kind of a sense of like, learn your alphabet first before you start mixing things up. There is this groundwork that needs to be laid about the moral fabric of the universe. The basic components of a moral life are in Proverbs. And in the same way that we teach kids the basics and then complexify from there, the Bible is doing that for us too. So for instance, we tell kids about fairness and right from wrong. We tell kids to follow the rules and to always tell the truth. Now they will learn that the world is not always fair. And they will grow up and learn that the rules are sometimes written differently for different people. And that the truth is sometimes complicated. But there are really good reasons that we teach children this way. That we don't just throw our hands up when someone cheats at Monopoly and say, well, prepare yourself for more of that for the rest of your life. We have to ingrain in ourselves, in one another, in our children, in our, in our culture, a belief in some sort of order before we start to question it and watch it all crumble. There is some order to the world and our moral choices have consequences, says Proverbs. And Proverbs says that we do believe that you can live a better life if you are committed to things like fairness and justice and truth, even if the world doesn't honor them all the time. 
So Proverbs makes these big sweeping statements as though they are always true because they must be held true at some level in our heart, even if we have to lay over them other truths later. This is the pursuit of wisdom in Proverbs. Proverbs is the most explicit about the term wisdom. Wisdom in Greek is Sophia, and Sophia, as you may have guessed, is feminine. It's really cool. Sophia is characterized as a person. Wisdom is a divine person, almost. I actually like to think of her as the fourth member of the Trinity, Um, And if that doesn't make sense, then you obviously haven't read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams, which is a trilogy containing five books. Um, But I think of Sophia as this kind of uh, additional part of the character of God. And, And I don't know if she gets her own kind of status like the Holy Spirit or Jesus or God the Creator, or if she's just an aspect of all those other pieces of who God is. Um... But Sophia, against all odds, got her feminine self elevated and named in uh, the book of holy scriptures that are obviously shaped by the misogyny of the world. So no matter how much misogyny and patriarchy has shaped the Bible, they couldn't erase Sophia. They couldn't erase wisdom, the wisdom that is God's truth, the wisdom that is offered to us, that is woven through the fabric of all creation. And so a lot of people have debated, is the wisdom literature feminist and amazing? Or is it, like all things in the Bible, super complicated? There are a bunch of really troubling proverbs in in the scriptures about quarrelsome wives. There are some really problematic truths dropped in proverbs that I think most women, uh, most non-binary folks, most trans folks, uh, most men would roll their eyes at and go, whoa, Bible, whoa, Bible, take a minute, just talk it out. Maybe you need to have a little cup of tea with your wife before you write more Bible. So there's some stuff for sure that got worked in there um, that needs to maybe get worked out. But wisdom is characterized by scripture as a woman. And I think wisdom in this way has a lot of characteristics that have been culturally identified as feminine. Wisdom is your grandmother who just knows. Wisdom is your auntie who understands the way things work and whispers it to you in the hallway when you don't get it in the main room. Wisdom is your older sister who had to learn it the hard way and doesn't want you to have to. Wisdom is the gift of women in the scriptures There's a preference for experience and reason over some of the other pieces of of the tradition. In the Wesleyan tradition, which we're a part of, um, there's what's called the Wesleyan quadrilateral. So there are some other Christian traditions that really, for instance, prioritize tradition and hierarchy. The Catholic Church really has high value on what the Pope says, for instance. Um, and what the traditions are, what, what has been going on, what has accumulated over time. The Lutheran tradition sort of broke off from that and said, sola scriptura, only scripture. Scripture will be our, in, our only divining rod here. The Wesleyan tradition values both of those things, tradition and scripture, but adds to it experience and reason. It says, our thoughts, the, the workings of our minds are gifts from God. We can reason 
part of our understanding of God and, and our tradition and our scripture has to be negotiated with reason and experience. What you see around you, what you feel and touch and remember, that matters. And if scripture and tradition and logic even seem to defy entirely your experience of the world, of life, of relationship, of love, then something is deeply amiss. So our tradition values scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. And that last piece of experience, of lived, earned wisdom, that is on full display in Proverbs. There is kind of a universal human experience reflected there, a logic of life that doesn't come from the classroom or from philosophy, but comes from life. In the book smarts versus street smarts debate, Proverbs is the streets, which isn't to say that it's not highly philosophical, and you see some of that especially in Ecclesiastes and Job, but wisdom is knowledge that has been hard-earned by life and struggle and passed on to you so that you can do better. This again means that some of those truths aren't hard and fast. One scholar calls them deliberately enigmatic. The intention is not to tell you a fact, it's to observe a pattern that will help you live well. So some of the basic patterns of Proverbs emerge pretty quickly. The righteous are rewarded and do not suffer. Social patterns are inevitable and repeat themselves. And there are consequences for our moral choices. All of this is really, um, it's captured in the tradition of Israel and the Hebrews um, and, and carried on into the Christians. But it resonates really deeply with other Near East um, ancient wisdom. And the, the priority on justice and truth and the promise that that will, will contain rewards um, is something that's really broad to the human experience. You think about uh, something that's worked its way into our pop culture but comes from philosophical and religious roots is karma. The sense that what you give out will come back to you. What you do in the world affects what you experience. And so if anyone wants to, like me, too quickly dismiss this by saying, well, look at how many people are righteous and suffer. Look at how many people are wicked and prosper. There is some deeper truth here that we have to return to before, again, we overlay those complexities. The basis of wisdom is in creation and the cosmic order. One of my uh, professors in seminary said that God created the universe by the logic of Proverbs, by the logic of wisdom literature. God created the universe and expected humans to figure it out. That there is some order here. A lot of the rest of scripture has a very active God who intervenes. It's a perspective on God that says we need God to save us. We're in trouble and we need God to save us. Wisdom literature is more focused on what we can do to say, listen, God actually set us up okay here. There is some pattern here that we can learn more about, and the closer we get to the way that God wants us to live, the better it'll go for all of us. So wisdom is about what we do, in addition to all the other scriptures that talk about what God does to help us. So what do we do? We live life according to justice, order, and truth, and we seek righteousness in order to seek blessing. We become wise by searching for that order, that divine intention in everything we do. 
The structure of Proverbs is sort of twofold. There are a couple of longer sections, especially in the first nine chapters, and then it's just a bunch of little sayings. We pulled today uh, from one of those longer sections, and I'm just going to return to it. And again, this may sound harsh, but imagine it coming not um, as, as kind of an intense, harsh word of the Holy Bible. Imagine it coming from uh, an older woman in your life who loves you dearly and wants you to do well. Go look at the ant, lazy. Consider its ways and be wise. Without having any chief or officer or ruler or boss, the ant prepares its food in summer and gathers sustenance in harvest. So how long are you going to just lie there? When will you get up? It's like 10 a.m. A little sleep, a little slumber. You know, you, you never get out of bed, and all of a sudden, you're going to be without. I want you to have enough. There are going to be people out there who go out and they say nasty things and they, they have their sly smiles and they wink at each other, they point fingers. But their minds are twisted and they are always going to make things worse for people. They are damaged in a way, they are causing damage in a way that will be beyond repair. Don't be like them. You don't have to be like them. Remember what your father told you. Remember what your mother taught you. Carry that with you in your heart always. Tie it on you. Wear it. And let that lead you. When you lie down to sleep, let that cover you and watch over you. When you wake up and you think about what to do for your day, think of what they taught you. Because those teachings, they will help you. They'll help you live a good life. They'll help you stay on track. Be wise. The scriptures make a case for wisdom as well as explaining it. They urge you to seek wisdom, partly because wisdom is not just information that you get. Wisdom is a skill. It's not technical, but it is a skill. It's passed on and it's precious, but it's not secret. And you know it when you see it and you feel it. Wisdom says, use your head. Life is hard, but don't make it harder. Learn from what has come before you. Learn from your own life. There is truth and order written into the fabric of creation. It's not a mystery. God made the world to be understandable so that you would live well. Live in harmony with the principles of the universe, and that will lead to health and wealth and fame and honor and longevity, prosperity. All the things that you long for, it starts with wisdom. It starts with faithfulness to that order. Wisdom is acquired through experience and obedience, but ultimately is given to us by God. Sophia, who comes to us, who offers herself to us, who is also woven through everything that is. The rest of the Proverbs, outside of these long passages, they're just short sayings. They're often rhythmical or alliterative. They're meant to be easy to remember so that you can carry them with you. And again, that means that their truth is about inspiring something deeper. It may not be um, always applicable, but the truth that it carries is worth carrying with you. These 
aphorisms have a lot of affinity across lots of different cultures. They're just honest observations. There's a common ground of the human experience. So, for instance, in Proverbs it says at 22.6, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. 14.12, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. 27.17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. 17.22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. 16.18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. 20.1, wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. We see similar and similarly powerful aphorisms from all kinds of cultures. There's a Japanese proverb that says, fall seven times, stand up eight. A Maori proverb, turn your face towards the sun and the shadows will fall behind you. A Brazilian proverb offers a kind of don't judge a book by its cover uh, wisdom. The tree with the most leaves will not necessarily produce the juicy fruit. A Turkish proverb says, even though you know a thousand things, ask the man who knows one. There's, there's kind of an admonition always to seek more wisdom there and to not get too haughty. Hunger is felt by a slave and hunger is felt by a king is a Ghanaian proverb about the commonness of humanity despite social hierarchy and empire. And from Zimbabwe, there's one that says, if you can walk, you can dance. If you can talk, you can sing, about pursuing the fullness of life. There are many sayings. There is much wisdom to be gleaned from those who have come before. So what is unique about Proverbs? In some ways, nothing. There are these truths that the human uh, body has produced and passed on and said, bear this in mind when things get hard. Bear this in mind when things are easy and you get complacent. Bear this in mind when you wake up, when you go to sleep. Be wise, live well. And so in the same way that last week, I urged you to visit the Psalms and rewrite them, write some of your own, which, if you haven't done that, I want to put that idea back in your head. Now is an excellent time for reflection. And hopefully with last week's sermon, you had a sense of permission that you would be within the biblical tradition to wail and lament and hope and dream and offer your poetry to God. So please do consider writing a psalm or rewriting a psalm. And I want you to think about the Proverbs of your own life. Who are the women, the teachers, the men, the wise ones, the people in your life who have told you things you will never forget? What are those short sayings, the things that you repeat to yourself? They could be very deep and profound, or they could be silly. One of my most important ones is done is better than good. It's an important one for me, and on the surface, it was just about getting me through seminary, let's be real. But underneath that is the wisdom for me that 
perfection, and even judgment of achievement don't serve me, that I would rather live and, and be alive than wait to live until I think I can live well. Done is better than good. That's one of my proverbs. What are yours? I would love to see you share any that come to mind in comments right now. And I'd also love for you to spend the week just reflecting. What is the wisdom that has been passed through generations to you? What do you hold in your heart? What do you meditate on? Name your wisdom. And this folk wisdom that is so often dismissed, the things your mother always said that are often dismissed, in our tradition, those things are holy scripture. Those things are holy truth to be preserved and cataloged and carried on for literally thousands of years. So remember what your mama said. Carry that with you in your heart and know that it has holy truth in it. And please bless us by sharing it. With Proverbs, as we mentioned before, the beginning of wisdom is awe of Yahweh. 16.3 says, Commit to Yahweh whatever you do, and God will establish your plans. 16.9, In their hearts, human beings plan their course, but Yahweh establishes their steps. 15.16 says, Better with a little, a better, I'm sorry, better a little with, with awe of Yahweh than great with turmoil. And 3.9 urges, honor Yahweh with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. The beginning of wisdom, the beginning of this divine order, is awe and appreciation of all that is, and of the hands who made it. The beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. And that's why one of the most important ways that we pray uh, is wow. According to Anne Lamott, uh, a great way to think about how to pray is help, thanks, wow. And that's something that I return to a lot. We say help, help us through this. We say thank you for who you are and how you have helped us. But the one we often forget, except when we are singing in, in this sanctuary, is wow. Wow, God. We appreciate who, we are, who you are, who we are in your image. Wow. And that is the beginning of wisdom. Will you pray with me? Precious God, almighty God, God of the ant who works towards stability, God of the ocean whose waves crash, God of us in the morning and us in the night. We thank you for all that you are. We thank you for the ways that we do discern order and your intention for us. God, help us to hold on to the truth of the basic order of life, of goodness, of our moral choices, of our call to justice and living well, even when there are a thousand exceptions to every rule. God, help us to pursue your justice even when justice seems nowhere. Help us to live the kind of life that you want us to. Thank you for promising us that we can have good lives somehow. Help us to trust in that, even in the face of suffering and loss. And God, most of all, wow. We marvel 
at your creation. We marvel at the you we see in one another. We marvel at the grass growing up despite our quarantine. We marvel at the ways your creation continues to move and breathe even as we sit behind closed windows and doors waiting to rejoin it. God, wow. Thank you for meeting us where we are. Thank you for taking us where we're going. Amen.